podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Uh, my sermon title today is Everlasting. A sermon title today is Everlasting, and we're going to specifically look at Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. I still hear pages turning. Let's, let's dive in. It says this, Do you not know, have you not heard, that the Lord is the everlasting God? Now let's pause, and let's just give that, that, that statement a hand clap right now. The Lord is everlasting. As we read on, it says this. Go ahead. The creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired, even though it doesn't seem like that. Even young people get tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not faint. How exciting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pause for just a moment this morning to hear your voice. May you challenge us to to be better followers of you. May you challenge us to be better Christians. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, to kick things off, I would like for everybody across the room, front to back, side to side, uh, to share with your neighbor, that could be the person on your left or your right, a very brief, very brief story, a moment in your life when you were the happiest. Now, I don't want to give you suggestions up front, but as your wheels begin to turn in your brain, share with the person next to you a moment in your life when you were the happiest you've ever been. Go for it. A lot of laughter, that's a good thing. A lot of laughter. It'd be sad if none of us had memories, if this room just got quiet and we all thought, uh, how sad would that be? So it's good, it's good. There's a good vibe in this room and I'm excited about that. Uh, for me, for me, I would have to say uh, right off the top, it'd have to be my wedding date. Uh, coming nine years this February, I can still remember, uh, what's up? I still remember uh, my wife walking down the aisle. Uh, I still remember what she looked like, uh, how much I cried. I still remember all those things. I was extremely happy. I remember the birth of my children. What a joyful experience. I think my wife got more of that experience than I did, but I'm okay with that. It was a very exciting time. Uh, both kids, we were able to uh, see them come into the world and, 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 the, and the feeling that's, that goes with that. And, and I can remember uh, my, my first new car. I just jumped to something material. I realized that. My first brand new car in 1999 uh, was the Oldsmobile Alero. I think it was the first year they made the Alero. It was cherry red, uh, two-door, had the spoiler, fully loaded, leather seats, sunroof. I went nuts, and I don't know why. But for the first and last time thus far in my life, I owned a brand new car. And if you've experienced this in your life, 
I think you understand that there's no amount of uh, car deodorizer that can compare to the actual smell of a brand new car. Am I right? The feel. I realize I'm not elaborating on my wife and kids because you guys understand. Uh, a brand new car is just something spectacular. And, um, and you drive that thing and it just, it just floats down the road. And then you get the first door ding or the second or the third, or you get all three if you go to Walmart at the same time. But you get your door dings, you spill a little coffee on the interior, and six months later, that brand new car sort of just becomes regular transportation, doesn't it? It just kind of becomes something that you depend upon to get you from point A to point B. And in our lives, we sometimes depend upon things to make us happy. And I'll be right up front with you. There's probably a picture on Facebook somewhere of me opening my 32 gig iPod Touch that my parents bought me for Christmas proving things can bring happiness. It's a huge smile. Things do bring happiness. I would be lying to you if I said otherwise. But that happiness is only for a moment. Inevitably, things fail us. I had a, a real good test uh, just this past week uh, of kind of where my joy was and and it was kind of ironic because I was working on this sermon at the time. Uh, my cell phone, it was a PDA phone I had for two years. And, and basically, you guys know how it is. You have every bit of information that you own in a little bitty box. And it, it died on me uh, right there. And fortunately, I was able to sync it uh, with my computer, getting most of the information off of that. Except that three days later, my computer died. Uh, losing everything, including the notes, uh, to my message on joy, which uh, was ironic, I guess. And it, and it proved... Right there, uh, I was able to be tested. Uh, so just so you guys know, this message comes with some, some battle testing right there. Uh, where is your joy today? Where is your joy today? A lot of times we can, uh, we confuse happiness and joy, and we sort of use the terms interchangeably, but we understand that happiness is, is sort of a surfacey feeling. Happiness is something that sort of um, is just sort of surfacey, but joy is a deeper experience. And it's one that I think we all attain to, to have. And so uh, as we dive in, I want you to keep that in mind, that happiness tends to be surface, but joy, much more meaningful. My first point, if you're taking notes today, is that happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based, uh, I'm sorry, happiness is based in, in external things, I apologize. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. If you look in 2 Corinthians 4.16, I want to go ahead and, and say before I read this that I didn't write this scripture. I think that you are all gorgeous people, look younger than you really are, and you keep well with age. So I just want to say that before I read. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. I gave you a warning. I think you all look great. But the Bible says that outwardly we are wasting away, though inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not upon what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How powerful. Now I realize that sometimes our joy is in fact based on external things. And because of that, uh, we've perfected the smile. 
Have you perfected the smile? As if you've had too much Botox, we sort of always just look happy when we're around people, especially in church. We kind of have this pasted on, uh, kind of creepy sort of smile sometimes. It gets a little too much. And we just sort of always look happy when we're around God's people specifically. Or maybe you've been in Walmart and you and your uh, significant other were arguing over whether you should buy the, the farm-raised organic eggs or the Walmart discount brand eggs. And, and the heated argument got a little much and you, didn't, you forgot you were in Walmart. And, and then you see someone you know and you sort of squeeze and you get a smile. Hey, we're cool. Everything's fine. Just arguing over eggs. We've perfected, we've perfected the smile. And we truly believe sometimes that if we smile enough or if we tell people we're happy enough, then we actually are happy. We know this not to be the case. We, we understand that a lot of times we can look just great out here and be destroyed inside. For Christmas this year, uh, one, of the, one of the few gifts we got our, our kids, uh, Roman got a bunch of costumes. Uh, a costume sounds too girly. We got him some uniforms, some, some very masculine... It sounds like he's going to join the ice capades. Very masculine... Um, Army men, uh, ninja uniforms. Uh, yes, I heard a groan. Uh, uniforms. And uh, he's trying them on Christmas afternoon. And he's got the army man hat and his canteen. And, and then he puts on his ninja suit. And, and do you know that it didn't matter what costume he put on? Just because he put a ninja suit on doesn't make him a ninja? I mean, that's what we told him so he'd stop kicking the dog. He's not a ninja just because you put on a ninja costume. If so, that would be more fun. But it's not the case. And a lot of times we feel like as Christians that if we can put on our happy suit, then we're happy. And when we're alone or when we're um, you know, with an intimate group of friends, we sort of let our hair down and we realize that maybe we're not as happy as we could be. Maybe we've replaced happiness with joy. And a lot of times uh, we confuse the two and we think to ourselves, is this as happy as I'm ever going to be? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, oh man, is this it? Is this as happy as I will ever be? Because the truth is, there's more than just external happiness. There's more than the happiness that things can bring us. My second point today is that happiness is based on circumstances, while joy is based on Christ. I knew we'd get there at some point. Happiness is based on circumstances, while joy is based on Christ. In Matthew 8, uh, we find, you don't have to turn there uh, if you want to jump down and look later just to make sure I'm not lying to you. In Matthew 8, we find that Jesus and his disciples uh, are hopping on a boat, and they're heading across uh, the Sea of Galilee. And what I've read about the Sea of Galilee is that it's about 13 miles wide. So it's not real wide, uh, but it's about 680 feet below sea level. Uh, there's a few mountains, and I've never been, but I'm just imagining that it would be beautiful. And so the disciples, uh, a group of uh, mostly fishermen by trade, and Jesus jump on a boat to cross the sea. And Jesus, you know, being as wiser than we are, decides to take an opportunity. He gets his nap in on the, on the trip. And, and the disciples are trucking along, and all of a sudden, a storm brews up. And it had to have come up out of nowhere, because fishermen... Men who know the sea, men who know their boats, would never just take off in the middle of a storm, right? Because men never jump into things without checking all factors. So we find that a storm had to have blown up out of absolutely nowhere. And it freaked out the disciples. How do I know this? Because in the scripture it says, these guys say, we're going to die. Now you don't just say, hey, 
we're going to die. You usually say, we're going to die. Let's go. We've got to do something. So they shake Jesus and wake him up because nobody wants to die in their sleep. And so they get him up there. They don't really know a whole lot about what he's capable of doing, but I think they just wanted him to be up there so they could experience the, the impending death that they were all looking at. And so Jesus is up there. The disciples are up there. I imagine because he was asleep, Jesus is probably scratching his eyes and, and just kind of stretching a little bit. And he looks around. Things are rough. And he speaks to the storm. And guess what? It obeyed him. I don't know how many of you tried to speak to the cold weather this morning and tell it to go away, uh, but somebody was unable to do it because it's cold. In 27, it says the men were amazed. They were amazed that the waves and the wind obeyed this sleeping man on their boat. They were astonished. And a lot of times in our lives, we find Uh, That we're sort of like those fishermen in that boat. That we're trucking through life and everything's fine. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes the storm we ever thought we'd see. Just out of nowhere, it just blows up. And it just wrecks our life. And it always feels like Jesus is asleep on the job. And we know that the scripture tells us God never sleeps, but it feels like maybe he's taking a cat nap, a very untimely cat nap, right in our most desperate time of need. And we search everywhere to see where God is in our situation, and, and we don't find him sometimes. And we wonder why. And we cry out to him. We wonder where he's at. And in times like that, the only thing we can do is trust that God is involved actively in our lives. He's been faithful to us in the past, and He's going to be faithful to us in the future. Do you know that signing up to be a Christian doesn't mean that we're not going to experience pain or loss or financial uh, turmoil? Signing up to be a Christian doesn't mean that we're never going to experience any kind of uh, earthly pain, but we know that even though it feels like all hell is against us, that maybe all hell literally stopped what it was doing and attacked us specifically, That God is with us, no matter what. No matter what, He is there. And we're going to experience pain. And we're going to cry. Sometimes it feels like the only way to get through a situation is just to cry it out. Am I the only person that thinks that? That sometimes things are just so bad, the only way to make them better is to just start crying. And we're going to experience pain. Psalms 30 verse 5 says it better than I could. It says that though weeping may remain for a night. Joy comes in the morning. I don't know how long your night is. Sometimes it feels like a month, a week, a year. But though weeping remain for a night, joy comes in the morning. And I realize, standing here in front of you today, that it's easy for me to say, you have to be joyful no matter what your circumstance Because by and large, my year is going pretty well. We're only 10 days in, uh, but I'm doing pretty good. And and previous, I've had a a pretty good 2008. And so it's easy to stand here with a microphone and preach to you with my my notes and and, and tell you, you've got to be happy no matter what. But if we look into the scriptures just briefly, we find a couple of interesting people. And the first one I'm going to point out is Job. 
Reading through the book of Job is like watching a horrible car wreck happen slow motion right in front of you. Every page you turn is worse than the next. We find Job who's just minding his own business. He's living his life. He's got a a great looking family and a good business and everything's going well for him. And God and the devil have this uh, exchange where it ends with God saying, Hey, uh, Job's a good friend of mine. Have you considered wrecking his life to prove his good friendship? And uh, the devil says, Sure, why not? That could be fun. And as we read through Job, we find... He loses every single thing that he loved, one after the other. And Job sort of culminates into this uh, epic scene where his wife is just screaming at him to curse God and die. And yet he still refuses. Because his hope and his joy... Was it in those things? But it was in the Lord. We find Paul, who in 2 Corinthians 11, begins to list all of his un, uh, unfortunate circumstances. And I'm just going to read them briefly to you. Uh, if you want to look back, you can. He's been in prison. He's been flogged. He's been beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, beaten, uh, been in danger from rivers, from bandits, his own countrymen. Often he's gone without sleep. He's gone without food, water, cold, and last. But, oh man, not least, he's been naked. As if things couldn't get worse, he lost his clothes. And we realize that though Paul went through all of these terrible circumstances, his hope and his faith and his joy continue to remain in Jesus Christ. And ours can too, if we trust him. Though weeping may remain for a night, joy comes in the morning. My my third point to you is that happiness is based on chance. But joy is based on choice. One of the things that we know about joy is that it is a fruit of the spirits. There's love, there's, you have to say joy after you say love when you list them. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so on. Joy is a fruit of the spirits. And I fully believe that we can ask God to give us more love and kindness and patience and, and joy. But ultimately, you and I have to get up in the morning and choose joy. And love and peace and, and all of those things. We have to choose it. God's not going to force you to be joyful. Wouldn't that be strange? Like a puppet where you just were forced to be joyful. You have to choose joy. And we, we find that the world is never going to give you and is never going to give me enough reasons to be happy. Never going to happen. A lot of times we look and we say, oh man, he is so good looking. I'd be happy if I were as good looking as him or if I had uh, her hair or his job or hair at all or if I had a new car or if I had um, that house or those, that, that bank account. I would be happy. But the world is never going to give you enough reasons to be happy. It's not going to happen. And we can always think, oh, if I just win the lottery, every, all my problems will go away. But we find that people who win the lottery tend to have more problems than you and I. We don't ever get enough things in our life to make us happy. The wealthiest people in the world go to bed miserable sometimes, I would imagine. The world is never going to give us enough reasons to be happy. It's just not going to happen. And it's only when we choose joy, when we make a conscious decision in our mind to wake up every single day and say, I am going to be a joyful person. We're going to have to fight for it. Because the enemy doesn't want you to be happy, and I don't think he wants me to be happy. You have to fight for your joy sometimes. And it feels like a struggle. A lot of times it feels like a physical fight. But joy is not as much a feeling as it is a decision. It's not as much a feeling as it is a choice. Choose to be joyful. 
my fourth and last point is that happiness is selfish while joy is selfless. Think about that. Happiness is selfish. Joy is selfless. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this, 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I realize there's a correlation between people who have filled with God-given joy and people who are thankful. There's a correlation between people who are filled with God's joy and people who are thankful. People who have depended upon God for their joy and not their circumstances, not things that are external. People who fully depend upon God for their joy are more thankful people. And listen, if your joy is in anything else but Jesus Christ, you're going to find your, your life is going to be something like a, a morbid emotional roller coaster where one minute you're way up here and you're high-fiving everybody you pass and you're whistling. You didn't even know you knew how to whistle and you're singing and woodland creatures are coming out and following you like the end of a weird Disney movie and you're singing a song and then the next day you can't even get out of bed because you're so depressed. If you allow your circumstances to dictate the amount of joy that you have in your life, you will never be constant. Listen, everything in life changes. As much as I hate to admit it, every single thing in my life and yours changes except for God. And if our joy is, is in the one constant that we have in life, then it cannot waver and it cannot change and it cannot be different from day to day to day. It's not that you're going to cry it out. It's not that you're not going to go through pain. We're not some kind of a robot that just does what God, that we think God wants us to do and, and remains un, unemotional. We're going to have pain. Weeping's going to remain for a night. But if our joy is in Christ, it will not crush us. It will not destroy us. It will not ruin us. Where is your joy at today? Where is your joy at today? Even young people grow tired, but if you will trust in the Lord, allow Him to be your strength, the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Someone should put that in the Bible. Then, then we will find that we can get up every day, that we can run and not grow weary, that we can walk and not faint, that we can follow God and do everything He's called us to do with our strength and our joy is tied to Him. And that's what I want for my life. And I'm not saying that I've, I've reached that goal. I'm not saying that I'm like the happiest person. People who know me know I still have days and moments and, and seconds where, you know, I'm still working it out just like you are. But for me and my family, I want our joy to remain in Jesus Christ. And not on what happens. Not on what happens. Let the joy of the Lord become our strength. We've got to stop believing the myth that we can only have joy through the absence of pain and the fulfillment of every desire that we could ever want. Because if we continue to look forward and continue to want more and more and more before we're going to be happy, we'll never find it. It'll never happen. If you would stand with me today. We don't always understand what God's doing in our lives. We don't always understand, and that's kind of an over—that's kind of an overstatement. I think that uh, rarely do we completely understand what God is doing in our lives, and it feels like He's—he's he's not there sometimes. It feels like He's left us hanging, that we've got to work this this life out ourselves. 
but he hasn't. He hasn't left us hanging. He's not asleep on the job. I don't know what kind of storm you have brewing in your life right now. Maybe you have this incredible thing going on in your life that you never thought would ever happen. You're making decisions that you never thought you'd have to make. Your joy is being tested like you never thought it would be tested before. Maybe you feel like all hell is against you. You're at your wit's end. You've got nowhere to go. You've got to cry out to God. Cry out to Him. This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.